coming up today on the Lead to Succeed podcast. Your subconscious mind is the most powerful computer on the planet. You know, you and I are sitting on this show together. We're not telling our bodies to pump blood around or telling our nervous system to work. Our subconscious mind is just doing it and running the entire process for us. But yet, at the same time, we have so much stuff running on our subconscious hard I call it the hard drive, that's there from childhood, from teenage, from life-altering experiences we have that we don't know is even impacting our lives. And I don't think many people can move forward until they work on the stuff that's in the past. Do you want to learn the tricks the top leaders use to get the most out of themselves and their teams? Well, Naftali Hoff is here to help. Lead to Succeed picks the brains of top leaders to learn about their challenges, insights, and best practices. Here's Naftali. Hello, Lead to Succeed Nation. It's Naftali Hoff, and welcome to Lead to Succeed, episode 35. This episode's interesting fact is salespeople spend just one third of their day actually talking to prospects. They spend 21% of their day writing emails, 17% entering data, another 17% prospecting and researching leads, 12% going to internal meetings, and 12% scheduling calls. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Colin Sprake, an expert on sales and on so much more. Colin is a business Sherpa, author, speaker, trainer, a South African native and serial entrepreneur with decades of experience building multiple million-dollar businesses globally in various industries and economies. Colin is also a number one selling author with four number one bestsellers to his name. He has won two Quilly Awards and has been inducted into the National Academy of Best-Selling Authors. Collins, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's absolutely my pleasure, and I'm looking forward to serving your audience in any way that I can. Thank you so much. It's really great. And I know we've actually been working to schedule this for a while, which only builds up my interest and enthusiasm that much more for our conversation. And uh, I wanted to jump right in if I could, because I was watching, I know you have a lot of content online, and later we're going to give our audience an opportunity to connect with you in terms of your work and your website and all of that. But I was watching one of your videos, Colin, in which you talked about many entrepreneurs failing because they stay too much within their comfort zone. In this case, you were saying that they work far too much on operations rather than on sales and marketing. So my question to you is, why do you feel that so many folks spend so much time in their respective comfort zones? And why is that such a bad thing? <laughs> I, like, I like my comfort zone. <laughs> why is that so bad? You know, the funny, Naftali, it's so funny for me because with, the only way you grow is when you have discomfort. And when you're in your comfort zone, you're not growing. You're just uh, you know, being comfortable. And I believe there's only three stages in life. You're either going into a challenge, you're in a challenge, or you're coming out of a challenge. Uh-huh. There is no comfortable. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you know, those people that think they're comfortable and listening today will be like, oh, so I must be going into a challenge soon then. Yes, because that's the only way you get to the next level. You can stay at the same level and say, I'm comfortable. But guess what? You really are going backwards. You're not going forwards. You know, and I'm a big fan of that and a big fan of people pushing their comfort zones. And I think a lot of people stay in operations because that's what they're good at. And yeah. they haven't taught themselves sales and marketing, the stuff that, to me, without sales, you, you know, to me, the sales is the umbilical cord that feeds your baby, that feeds your business. Without sales, you don't have a business. It's true. It's so true. And that's one of the things, by the way, when, when I pivoted out of school leadership into leadership coaching and the organizational consulting work that I do... I really was all focused in on knowing my content, becoming a content expert, and I didn't give enough thought 
to all of the other ancillary pieces. Maybe you might call them, you know, non-essential, uh, in at least in terms of what it is that I do. But how do you reach people if you're not involved in sales? And sales is just such a critical aspect with so many different components to it. So I agree with you 100%. And as I was listening to your answer, Colin, two things popped into my head. Number one is the is the writing of Michael Gerber and the E Myth, the notion that uh, sometimes we are for lack of a better term, we become leaders or become entrepreneurs, but in, I'm using my language now, in technicians' clothing. Or actually, yeah, I think that's probably a good way of saying it. And the idea basically is that we remain technicians because that's what we know. And that's what we did really, really well to get to this point, whether it's in, uh, you name the industry. So the fact that when a person becomes, uh, shifts more into leadership, which is really the focus of Lead to Succeed, and Lead to Succeed Nation is all about how do we develop as leaders, you know, we need to be thinking about going beyond our comfort zone, doing the kinds of things that are going to help the business grow. And sales is really a critical part of that. I agree fully, Naftali. And you know, the, the big thing for me is what fascinates me is people think you have to be born a salesperson. I don't agree with that at all. I think some people are born with the skills and talents and what have you. And, and uh, it's definitely a skill that anybody can learn. And if you thinking that sales is not for you, you probably shouldn't be in business. Yeah, that's true. And it's interesting because I, I do want to come to a second point in just a second, but as you're talking, I'm thinking about my own introverted nature and the fact that I get my energy primarily from thinking and writing and reflecting more so than getting out into busy rooms and, and working those spaces. But at the same time, you know, I know that I can do it. I know that I've worked at it and have been many opportunities. And without it, you really are leaving so much opportunity behind. So I think no matter what your nature is, the main thing is you need to know what it is that you're putting out there. And then you really want to figure out how can I package it in a way that folks ultimately want to, to take, you know, to buy it from you. And of course, I'm going to give you an opportunity to talk more about sales as we move forward. But if I could pivot for just one second, Colin, about one more thing, I am Orthodox Jewish. And so I do reference the, the Torah, the Bible on occasion in our conversations. And the word Adam, uh, which is, of course, is the name of the first man mentioned in the Bible, actually comes from the word Adama, which means ground or earth. Mm -hmm. uh, and the Bible says so explicitly. And the idea that many of the commentators talk about is that man, by coming from the earth, has certain what we might call earthly tendencies. And one of those tendencies is to, is to while well, there's an element of growth, certainly from the earth, but there's also this idea that if I don't make progress, I'm really regressing. And that was what you spoke about before, and it really hit me very hard, a beautiful concept that we always have to be thinking about growth. And so let me ask you this, what is something that you do and you encourage our audience to consider as well to be continually moving in a growth-related trajectory? Wow. I mean, I, I, I think I'm a, a living ep epitome of, uh, of, of growth. And I, I wasn't always like this, Naftali. The, the big thing for me was I do daily, very set daily habits. And those habits sometimes are not comfortable habits. You know, habits like um, I have very set morning habits. I don't look at my cell phone for the first hour and a half every single morning. Good for um, you. Yeah, I wake up, I do meditation. I'm very, very spiritual. And it's quite funny, Naftali, I'm not sure if you know this. I'm a Catholic guy married to a Jewish girl by a Presbyterian minister. So <laughs> quite the combination. You, you, so. you touched them all. <laughs> I touched them all. So, you know, for me, it's, I have very set routines and I, I listen to or read 10 pages of a book every single day, some kind of growth book, personal growth. I've just been listening to Success Through Stillness by Russell Simmons, one of mm -hmm. the most amazing books on meditation. 
And, you know, I just, I am a nonstop student. I have very set mantras I say in the morning, very set processes. And then during the course of the day, I stop every single hour. I, I think about what my intention is for the next hour, what I've just achieved for the current hour, just like one minute. And then the evening set journaling before I go to bed. I do another half an hour of meditation before I hit the sack as well. So there's very set things for me that I've learned over the years are really instrumental in growth. I and love so that. People, yeah, and so many people at the end of the day focus on what doesn't work for them. I had a suck day. My life is not good. And you know, all the things, if I asked the listeners right now and write down 10 things that didn't work for you yesterday, you'd they'd write them down in a heartbeat. Write down 10 things that were awesome for you yesterday that have to sit and really think about it. Yeah. That tells me the society we live in is we're so focused on what doesn't work. And of course, I'm a big believer in what you focus on expands. Beautiful. So, yeah, I just, I live by that. And I'm always pushing myself to greater levels. And, you know, and listeners, one thing you'll learn from me is I don't care how much you learn from any books, videos, this show, or anything like that. It's what you live afterward that's important. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, we have it not only since I mentioned before tradition, the idea that it's not just about your thoughts, it's about your deeds and, and really actualizing that which you're intending, which I'm hearing. And by the way, the passion which, which you said, Colin, is fantastic. And I think it really gets me juiced. So let's take that same concept of intention and let's go back to where we were before for a minute talking about comfort zones, because obviously people create comfort zones. That's what they like. How do you coach people to get out of their comfort zones in a way that's manageable and approachable and at the same time drives results? Yes, I think the way I look at this, and it comes from a very good friend of mine, Dan Sullivan, and it's called the four C's. And it really pushes people's comfort zones because you know we've all heard the statement, you've got to do what you've never done to get what you've never had. Yeah. And you know it's called the four C's. So you have to make a commitment to moving into doing something. Let's just say it's sales. You know, there's people right now listening going, I hate sales. I never want to do sales. Sales doesn't work for me. Well, it never will unless you make a commitment to at least start doing something to becoming a better salesperson. Mm-hmm. And once you make that commitment, the next C is courage. And on the way between the, the commitment and courage, what comes up? Fear. And for most people, and I'm going to say this, and I hope you don't mind this, they, they pee their pants and they stop when they get to fear. You know, the difference between courage and fear is, you just get there with peed pants. That's all. I mean, at the end of the day, it's just, I always laugh at people. They always laugh at me. They say, Colin, you're so funny with that. I'm like, most people don't make a commitment to do something. And then once you get, you, know, you get the courage and you've actually gone through and you've done that first activity, let's say it's maybe gone and done five cold calls or gone and knocked on five doors or whatever it is, and you've got all this fear inside of you. As long as you went and did it, you had the courage to do it and you went through with it. That lets you know then the third C, which is you have the capability. And once you have that capability, then you start to gain confidence. But you cannot have confidence or even realize you have a capability until you make a commitment to do something you've never done before in the direction that you want to go in. Got it. Wow. Does that make sense? It does. It does. But part number two of the four, courage, I think is one I'd like to spend a little time in. You know, yesterday I was speaking to a prospective coaching uh, client and um, he was talking about business. He's in insurance. And uh, he's struggling with some of the sales and some processes. And I kind of got the feeling that he lacked the courage to make some meaningful changes. He acknowledged that he needed to do so. Uh, I think deep down, he knows what it will take in order to make that happen. But he wasn't either permitting himself or just pushing himself sufficiently to get to that point. And I think you need somebody, 
a coach, you know, to help move them in that right direction. But, but how do you help folks? Because I think the notion of getting people to commit may not be so difficult, right? I understand that it's important. I'm going to commit to it. Once I'm there and I, and I understand I have capacity, great. I'm going to keep going. It's going to build my confidence further. All of that I see is self-perpetuating in a way. But getting people to go beyond, you know, break through that fear and achieve that level of courage that's necessary to keep going, how do you help them, Colin, to achieve that? Because I can imagine that can be very difficult. Yeah, the, the big thing for me is, you know, I think 99% of all business, life, everything, Naftali, is that people, it's, it's people's mindset. So I work, I do a lot of deep, deep work with people in, you know, their childhood memories, their childhood experiences. And I work, walk them through things that have been held, holding them back for so many years. And then once I walk them through that and I continue walking through it, there's a very set process that I have to, that, you know, does deep psychological work on people that they start to realize they the biggest hindrance. Nothing else is. It's not their parents, not their spouse, not their kids, nothing else. You know, I believe in winners take responsibility, whiners blame other people. And, you know, we take responsibility for what happened in our lives and stuff happens. It might be dark, it might be negative, it might be super exciting, whatever it might be. But I walk them through some very set pros. I have a, very, I have a set three-day program that I walk people through before I even do any coaching with them, any, before they become part of our university program. I have to put them in that first because there's so much work they need to do on themselves. Yeah, you, know, you can give people as many tools as they want. If they are not psychologically ready for those tools, they will never do anything with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just walk them through very set processes of deep internal reflection, getting themselves ready, realizing what was holding them back, what's been stopping them so much uh, on that path between commitment and courage. And Naftali, it's amazing to watch the transformations of human beings. I mean, that's why I do what I do every day. I get up because I want to see human beings transform to really achieve the stuff they never thought was possible. That's great. Yeah, I, I actually do it for the same reason. And uh, what I'm hearing though, which is interesting, you know, when I, when I began my, my journey into coaching, so it was made very clear to me that coaching is not therapy and that therapy typically, you know, really starts from a person's past and uncovers all those skeletons and everything you were describing before. Whereas coaching typically launches a person from the here and now moving them forward, using questions to help them get direction and clarity, et cetera. And, but, but your description sounds to me, and of course, correct me if I'm wrong, like somewhat of a nexus between the two, taking some of the elements of, let's call it, uh, therapeutic analysis, understanding a person's past, going really deep there to give them the foundation they need in order to be able to be a coaching candidate, client, et cetera. Am I, am I getting that right? Yeah. And, and Naftali, you know, I think that's the challenging part for me with looking at it in this way. And I, and I definitely would be a hybrid, maybe even more so on the, the, the counseling side. And the reason being is I'm a big believer. Your subconscious mind is the most powerful computer on the planet. You know, we, 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 you and I are sitting on this show together. We're not telling our bodies to pump blood around or telling our bodies, uh, uh, telling our nervous system to work. Our subconscious mind is just doing it and running the entire process for us. But yet at the same time, we have so much stuff running on our subconscious hard, I call it the hard drive, that's there from childhood, from teenage, from life-altering ex- experiences we have that we don't know is even impacting our lives. And I don't think many people can move forward until they work on the stuff that's in the past. And, you know, people say they can move forward, but they just don't understand why there's certain things that are still stopping them. And once we get, get them figuring out what stopped them, and sometimes it's not even stuff we're conscious of. It's just our sub, 
conscious hard drives is running this program and they're like, why do I not get ahead? Why do I you know, get to a million dollars in revenue and then go down to zero? And then, get, and then seven years later, a million dollars in revenue, go down to zero. Because there's programming on that that they have no idea is there. And we reprogram that for people. It is, it is incredible to watch. Yeah, that sounds fascinating. So I, I do want to keep our conversation moving in terms of giving people a, a really deep understanding specifically in the area of developing and retaining clients. Because I know that that is something you speak about and have a lot of expertise in. And frankly, as all of us who are listening and and then me in the conversation are continually looking to build our business and to build our client base, give us some secrets, please. Uh, One great tip, at least, if you don't mind, about how you get great clients, not just clients, but clients you really love and how do you hold on to them? Yeah. I I mean, there's so many great tips on this. So for me, on really finding great clients, I think the number one thing is first, you know, really defining what does a great client look like to you? You know, that's the most important thing for me. So, you know, what kind, well, how big is that client? If it's a, if it's a corporation, of course, then it's a different story, but in terms of if it's individuals and you know, how much money do they have, you know, all the demographic psychographics of who that individual is and, that's that's what you're looking for, and this is the most important part. And then from there, once you define who you're looking for, then you can go and find them. And this is what I find with so many people, Naftali. People aren't, you know, they, they look at, they go out, and they, people say, go networking, go to as many networking groups as you can, or what have you. They're going to groups where clients will never hang out. It's like going to, you know, we'll have a little bit of fun on the on the show here. It's like going to a Jewish synagogue and looking for Catholic people. Yep. You know, it's it's not going to happen. And then some people say, "Yes, but I'll convert them." Well, that that takes a lot of work. <laughs> a lot of work. A lot, a of, lot work. of work. So, yeah. you know, for me, it's you've got to hang out where you're the right clients are. So, finding great clients is really important. And then once you've got great clients, and I'm a big fan of this for our listeners, if you have a great client that you make a ton of money on, they're awesome to deal with, and never complain about price, and you have those kind of clients, I would write down their names and figure out where those clients hang out. Because mm-hmm. birds of a feather flock together, mm. you know, and I'll give you an example in my own business. So I know a lot of my real top clients, they go on vacation to Mexico and they go to five star, four and a half to five star resorts, really top end resorts. That's where most of my great clients hang out. So of course, where do I go? I go to four to five, four and a half star to five star resorts in Mexico. And guess what? I hang around the pool, you know, sit and read or do some personal growth work in end up meeting some people. And guess what? Th- those, uh, there's lots of Canadians around the pools uh, down in Mexico and Americans and what have you. So I get to meet these amazing people who are absolutely my ideal customer, my ideal avatar. And you know, I've yet to ever pay for a Mexican vacation. In fact, I've gone down and spent $15,000 on a vacation with me and from my family and I. And guess what? I've come back with, you know, within six months, probably done $100,000 to $170,000 in revenue from those clients I met down at the pool in Mexico because I know where my clients hang out. That's the most critical thing to know where your top clients hang out because they hang out with other top clients, other top prospects. Beautiful. So we are, we're going to pivot again, but I don't want to go too far because that was great, great advice, Colin. And I, I think you know whether or not a person has the fortitude to uh, take their, their family on vacation, start finding clients over there, or if it's just something more locally. But I think the advice is fantastic. And I would expand it, I would think, online as well, especially if you are dealing with professionals, whether it's on LinkedIn or other social networks where you think your ideal client may be hanging out. Ultimately, you want to be able to move that conversation offline 
you know, and go deeper with people. But what I wanted to ask you now, if I could, is a question relating to the leaders that you engage with, the leaders that you have the opportunity to serve. Give us, if you don't mind, a couple of qualities that these leaders seem to share that will help lead to Succeed Nation as we're continuing to grow in our own leadership development to hone in on as qualities that really help us make a difference for ourselves and those that we serve. Yeah, I'm like, I am very spe- specific about this, Naftali. You know, for me, it's, yeah, we have some key criteria that people have to have in order for us to even work with them. And they're not core values, they're just very set um, things we look for. We look for people that are heart-centered. We look for people that are driven. We look for people that are open to learning, people that are extremely good implementers. Uh, we look for people that when they make a commitment, they stick to it. So those are some of the key things we look for when we're looking for, you know, and there's, there's a number of more of them that we have, but those are five that we look at and we say, do you have these criteria? We can even call them habits or success habits that you live by every single day. Because if you don't, we don't really want you as a client. And people might think that's extremely rude. No, we know what our, our process and system does for us. And for all your listeners out there, our reputation is really important for us. All of us, as we listen to the show and what have you, our businesses are really important to us. And you know what? You don't want to have clients come on board that don't do the work and then blame you because they didn't get any results. Yeah. So they didn't do the work. So we have very set success habits, you know, must be implementers, must be trainable. And once we, we get those, those leaders that we've got into, that we've worked with, and they come on board and they agree to all of those habits. We have them sign off on a contract that they agree that they have these habits because then if they, if they start to show they don't, we actually say, here's the agreement you signed that says you have these habits. And the, some of them are like, Colin, I never knew you would hold me to them. I'm like, what do you think we do? I'm, I, I said, I'm going to commit to serving you. You need to commit to your habits that you said you have. And if you don't have them, guess what? We can terminate the contract with them. Mm. It is interesting because I, I had two questions from what you said and you just answered the second one, which was, how do you know? <laughs> <laughs> that people actually have these these qualities. So it sounds like you take them for their word, at least initially, but you hold them accountable to it. Um, Absolutely. And then the other question is, you talked about the five qualities and one of them, the first one was heart-centered. Can you elaborate please as to what that means to you? Yeah, heart-centered means, you know, doing business that's good for people. You know, I, I believe that when we put our head on the pillow at night that we know today I've done good for, for mankind, I've done good for our planet and not, and put it bluntly, screwed somebody out of money or done something negative to somebody out there. So I live by the philosophy, Naftali, and every th- interaction I have with a human being, I don't care who it is. The only thing you walk away with is what was the experience with Colin and how did I make you feel? As we get off the show today, you're going to feel a certain way. The listeners will see feel a certain way. My wife at home, my team at the office, I don't care who it is you interact with. That's the only two things they talk about around the dinner table at night. What was the experience like? And how did you make them feel? And I am all about making sure people feel respected, that they are cared for. And, and that's part of being heart-centered and understanding that people go through stuff. We're all human beings and you know, when people go through stuff. So for me, it's not just running a business that's cold and it's only about the money. It's actually also more so, I live by the following statement. When you focus on money, you'll have dollars to count. When you focus on people, you'll have countless dollars. And I'm all about serving humanity, serving people to a greater level. And I look for people that want to do the same thing. If people come in to make your mark, my company and go, I just want to make money. I'm like, you're probably not the right client for us. Do you want to go out and serve humanity? Do you want to go out and make a difference in this world? And that's why I'm on your show because I love what you do and what you stand for as well. 
Well, thank you. I'm, I'm honored and coming from someone like you in particular, but I, I do want to push back a little bit, not because I don't agree. I agree with everything you said, but there's still something if I'm you know, a listener and I'm interested potentially in working with you, Colin, which by the way, I would think everybody who's, who's listening to this would be and certainly should be. But my question to you is if I look at numbers two, three, four, and five, and I'm not sure that this is a complete list, but the list you gave me to be driven, open to learning, good implementer, sticking to something, you know, these are all great qualities and these are practically, I should say, um, these are qualities that, that really drive good business. But being heart-centered, good for people or two people, you know, it's nice and, and maybe we all should and, and having a moral compass is great, but you could make the argument that I don't need to be if I want to be a successful person. At the end of the day, I can still find a, a business that works. And if I'm a little bit rotten or if I'm not really that considered or caring about others, the world, et cetera, so be it. So my question to you is, Colin, why is that so bad? And why would you, I don't know if you, I would say the word refuse, but why would you at least strongly hesitate to work with someone <laughs> if they're not going to demonstrate that hard centricity that you're describing? You know, I'm actually chuckling because I agree fully with you as well. So for me, maybe I should clarify this for the listeners today is that, you know what, you can do whatever you want to do. You can go and be a Steve Jobs, build an Apple and, and, and yeah, you read his autobiography. He was not the nicest man uh, in many, many ways, but in other ways he was exceptional. So, you know, for me, it's just what... That, it's my choice, really, at the end of the day, Naftali. It's not, I'm not telling you, I'm not making a statement that everyone should be heart-centered. I just want heart-centered people in my business because that's who I am. And that's what I like to deal with. And I like people that want to do that. So I don't really mind what people do. You know, if your listeners said to me, oh, Colin, I don't really care about really serving people and anything else. All I want to do is go and make money and make a ton of it. And who cares if the oceans in the world disappear and it's full of plastic? That's their choice. I just don't want to deal with people like that. I want to be deal with people. So it's really purely our choice at the company of who we work with. And there's no right or wrong. To me, everyone has their own choice to do whatever they want to do. I just like to deal with people. And when I get up in the morning, I don't feel like, oh my God, I've got to deal with that client that really, really doesn't fit my core values or fit my success habits. That's Does that make, make more sense? <laughs> yeah, no, it makes a ton of sense. And I, and I really, uh, all along, I understood where you were coming from. I was just trying to understand why you would make that to a degree. I don't want to speak for you, but it sounded like somewhat of a deal breaker. But as you're talking, it reminded me of um, Jim Rohn and Brian Tracy and some others who talk about, and, and there's research to support this, that you really are the totality, if you will, of the five people that you hang out with most frequently or your, your, your deepest associations. The people that you keep in your closest circles are the ones that ultimately really reflect upon who you are and who you can become. So if you want to be a giver who also has higher values and has aspirations that go beyond self-service, then you really need to be working with people, whether they're clients or coworkers or other colleagues that share those same values. And if you don't, there's a good chance you'll get pulled in a direction that doesn't serve you. So that, that's what I'm taking out of this. Does that sound right to you? Yeah, very much. And I think, it, I mean, it comes down to really, once you get past this, the, the actual habits, those five habits, and of course, I think we have around 10 of them. Uh, the most important thing for me is, of course, core values. And, you know, I am so connected with so many amazing, beautiful human beings. And the nice part is they're all heart-centered. You know, I do a lot of work with uh, Sir Richard Branson. I do a lot of work, you know, with Jack Canfield, with, uh, you know, from Chicken Soup. And then, 
you know, people like I was on the I was on the, just a, a back, you know, going backwards and forwards on a discussion last night with Kevin Harrington from Shark Tank and one of the sharks on Shark Tank. I only deal with the people that are heart centered, and you know what? I love it. I mean, I'm a big fan of Jim Rohn. He's an amazing human, or was, you know, still is amazing human being, even though he's he's left this planet. You know, and I'm a, I just, I'd last too short to to hang around with people you don't want to be with. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I want now for Lead to Succeed Nation to get a little bit more uh, behind the curtain, if you will, with Colin, because I know that you have so much more even beyond what you've already shared, which is absolutely fantastic. So we're now going to pivot to our rapid fire segment. And here are a couple of questions for you. They're all short answer, a lot of fun. Uh, Best website or app for you, Colin, for your own professional learning? Best website or app? Holy moly. That's that's an interesting question for me. So for me, on uh, what would it be? It could be for meditation or other self-growth as well, if that's, if that's helpful. You know what? Probably the, the, the app I use the most right now is Audible. Ah, okay. One of my favorites. I, it's right there on my first screen on my Android. I use Audible. And then probably my other, another one that comes second in, uh, with it is SeatGuru. And what does that do? I'm not familiar. <laughs> so because I fly so much, Naftali, yep. is, it's so funny. Uh, this tells me which are the, what, what are the best seats on the plane, even in, if it's first class, business class, or uh, economy, which are the best seats, which one go back the most, what has power, what doesn't have power. That is awesome. I got to get that from you. And by the way, I think you have a little element of prophetic um, awareness as well, because my next question was a great travel hack. Oh, so um, I, th- I think you just hit one, but you're welcome to add another. I'll add another one too. And I'm a big American Express fan. So, and not because I'm here to promote the American Express in any way, but the key thing is I always use hotels where you can book using your American Express card. And this is one of my favorite, favorite hacks. And I'm more than happy to share with you that a very set process to doing it that we can maybe share at the end in some way or form. I didn't expect to share it on here, but it's a really cool hack. So I always phone to book my hotel. And because you book on your American Express card, they give you a free upgrade at that hotel. And then I do the free upgrade over the phone. And then when I get to the front desk, I always, you know, super friendly, what have you. They check me in. I'm like, didn't I get my free upgrade? They're like, oh, they give you another upgrade, which you didn't actually even, they don't know that you got a previous upgrade. So they give you a second one. And I've actually ended up staying in like major suites, presidential suites where I'm paying like $2.99 a night. And I'm staying in a room that's like $1,700. Wow. Okay. So I use my American Express uh, I suppose you could say use, maybe abuse my American Express rights in some way or form, but it's, it's so cool. It's, I do that all the time when I travel. Fantastic. And I get, up, I get double upgrades at every hotel I go to. When you're hungry late at night, you'll most often grab a? Probably nuts. Okay. And last one, something about South Africa that few people know. Wow. That few people know. That it's probably very, for most people that don't really know this is that how completely two-sided it is in terms of it's extremely third world and extremely first world. And it was the first place in the world to have automated banking. And it's probably the most advanced banking system in the world is in South Africa right now. Wow, that's fantastic. Okay, Colin, we've been doing a lot of talking and you've been an awesome guest. Tell our listeners, Lead to Succeed Nation, how they could learn more about your work, how they could find you and connect with you. Yeah, I'd love that. And yeah, absolutely. The easiest way for me and uh, Naftali, thank you so much for being on the show as well, is to connect with me through my website, which is mymsuccess.com. So make your mark, mymsuccess.com. Or you can follow me on my uh, show as well. I have a, a podcast on Stitcher 
or on iTunes. And that's called MYM Your Business, The Brutal Truth with Colin Sprake. I do a weekly show. It is outrageous. It's We've been running for a long, long time and it just gives you so much great content and uh, really good tips. And of course, everything I do on that show is about implementation because knowledge is not power. It's only potential power. Implementation is where the power is at. Fantastic. So you may have already done it, but I'm going to ask you anyway. One final life lesson, please, Colin, before we wrap up today. I'd probably say the last 12 months is sometimes, you know, the biggest life lesson I've had in the last 12 months is really, really learning to trust people. And that might sound really weird from a person that's in such a, you know, a certain level and the CEO that I am. But you know what? It's become a very interesting thing for me is, you know, we cannot be successful as entrepreneurs unless we can really, really, truly trust and you know, empower people to really run with things for us. And you know, most entrepreneurs don't have that trust. So for me, that biggest life lesson right now, and over the last even 10 years, Naftali has been really trusting people and putting that trust in them that they can do a job way better than I can do in a specific area of the business. Very powerful, Colin. Thank you so much for ending us on such a high and for sharing so much wisdom. I really, really hope that Lead to Succeed Nation will connect with you further because I've been totally inspired and juiced from our conversation. And I'm, super, I'm definitely looking forward to connecting with you more, more regularly and, and more deeply over time. It's been a true inspiration. And thank you again for coming on to Lead to Succeed today. It's, it's my pleasure. And if I can be a service to anybody, I'm here. And you know, may you be blessed in everything that you do and may you get the results you're always looking for. Thank you so much. Have a great day now. You too. Today's leadership quote is from Ken Blanchard. The key to successful leadership today is influence, not authority. Thanks so much for listening to this episode and for investing in yourself so that you can lead to succeed. Before you go, don't forget to head over to impactfulcoaching.com where you can sign up for our blog, download a free leadership ebook, and so much more. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.